before I introduce our next guest, let me say that despite all of the stories we've been planning in the press, none of the proceeds of this money will go to establish a vice presidential pension fund. Which probably doesn't make any difference anyway, because I don't see Fritz Mondale on the verge of retirement. It is true in a few weeks, Fritz Mondale will become a private citizen after 16 years of public service. I think it's going to ease the transition because of the certain knowledge that he's recognized that Cathay Lamb was one of the most talented and dedicated public servants of the past generation. The Vice President has served this administration and this nation with outstanding distinction. He has brought credit to the office, and he's established new standards for integrity and effectiveness in government. We owe him our thanks for a job well done. May I present the Vice President of the United States. Thank you very much, Lloyd, for that very, very kind introduction. It's an honor to be introduced by one of the finest and most decent public servants in the United States today, Texas's Senator Lloyd Benson. <laughs> Mr. President, Rosalind, Lady Bird, Mr. Bush, it is true that it is funny how life is. Sometimes. <laughs> My friend, Senator Baker, Mr. Leaders, members of the Congress, and if I may introduce someone tonight who has been introduced earlier, but this is a special occasion. It's his birthday tonight. He's as good a Speaker of the House as this nation ever had, Tip O'Neill. Where are you, Tip? Stand up. <laughs> Our former neighbor, Elspeth Rostow, to that patient, caring partner of Bob Strauss, our friend Helen. We're all glad to be here tonight for many reasons, but above all, to honor Bob Strauss. It's a tribute to this man's talent that he is one of only two individuals who have been asked to continue in their present jobs in the next administration. <laughs> the other one, of course, is the big Brzezinski. <laughs> when we honor, when we honor Bob Strauss, we honor someone who's truly revered in America. The other day I was in Texas and I was talking to one of our citizens there about all the grim issues that face us as Americans. We went down the list, inflation, unemployment, 
international tensions, and on and on. And finally, he said something that I think expresses the viewpoint of all Americans when he said, you know, none of these problems would be so bad if Bob Strauss were still president of the United yeah. States. <laughs> Above all, we honor Bob as the ultimate political strategist. I've known and worked with Bob for so many years in the party, in government, all over this nation. And I'll never forget that breakfast with Bob in early 1980 when he said, look, Fritz, it's a big country. We've been working all over this nation for years. Let's not duplicate our efforts. Let's go where our strengths are most obvious. He said, why don't I take responsibility for those states where I'm very, very popular, my home state of Texas, New York, California, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, the big ones where it really counts. And he said, why don't you take those states where you've got to get better known? Start with Minnesota, but then pick, pick some of those states, say, for example, Hawaii, or West Virginia, or Rhode Island, or right here in the District of Columbia. And that's what we did. And I would say, speaking only for myself, it worked very well. The other morning, after our defeat, the President and I had a long, reflective conversation about the four years that we shared together in the first and the second highest offices of the land. We were recounting the things that we'd be proud of. But we have finally agreed on one thing that we'll remember as long as we live, that the highest honor of all was for four long years to have the honor of serving under Bob Strauss. <laughs> this evening, we celebrate three things at once. We celebrate education and the genius of a Lyndon Johnson who put education at the top of the nation's agenda. We celebrate public service and the wisdom of a nation which holds that politics, when it's properly practiced, is the noblest profession on earth. And we celebrate Ambassador Robert Strauss because the reasons are clear. He is a passionate advocate for the causes in which he believes. He is an unequal builder of bridges and coalitions. He's sort of a Disraeli with a Rolodex. <laughs> and above all, he is a down-home, no-nonsense practitioner of the art of the possibility. You might say he's a Mae West with a gavel. 
Tonight, you have contributed generously to the Strauss Fellowship Fund. The fellows whose education you make possible will not only learn the fundamentals of public service, they will also enrich our nation. For they will, in their turn, energize a political process whose ideals were embodied so brilliantly by Lyndon Johnson, under whom I was privileged to serve. Sixteen years ago, before yet another political campaign began, President Johnson said this, the American system is a long and delicate process, direct and indirect primaries, delegates, conventions, and elections. But one certainty cuts through all of those complexities. So let us reflect, before the campaign really begins, upon one simple fact. And that simple fact is that America works, and the American political system works. Tonight, we honor that system, that system that we call freedom. But above all, in a personal sense tonight, we honor a man whose whole life, by his choice, has been dedicated to make this marvelous country and freedom of ours work. Bob Strauss, thank you. Perhaps the ultimate honor that can be bestowed on a man in public life is personal recognition by the President of the United States. Bob Strauss has earned that honor, and it is about to be his. But it is magnified many times over by the integrity, by the decency, by the achievements of the president who is about to bestow it. I'm proud of my president. I'm proud of what my president has done for my country in the last four years. And And I'm proud of what my friend Bob Strauss has done to help him. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Thank you very much. Senator Benson, my good friend, Vice President Mondale, Joan, Ambassador Bush, soon to be Vice President of this great country, Senator Baker, Speaker O'Neill, Lady Byrne Johnson, Dean Rostow, George Bristol, who will follow me, other friends of 
Bob Strauss. As I sat in the audience tonight, I was grieved at some of the light and disrespectful remarks made about Bob Strauss. Sometimes there is an occasion for levity, sometimes there's an occasion for serious analysis of a man's career and what he's meant to the people who come to honor him. And I don't believe there's anyone here tonight who hasn't been helped in a tangible and specific way by Bob Strauss. To reach the ambitions that we have had in our own private lives, sometimes in our public life as well. I can't say that everything Bob Strauss has attempted that he's achieved for himself or for us. No one could do that who's a human being. But if you think in your own lives, Bob has meant a lot to all of us. This past 12 months, I've had ambitions. My hope was to serve a second term as president and then to go back to Plains and retire. Bob has helped me achieve one of those ambitions. <laughs> and as I leave next week, next month for Plains, Bob Strauss will be in the forefront of my mind. <laughs> Bob is also very good with advice. Not long before I left the Oval Office this afternoon, I read a last-minute letter from Bob Strauss. This is an absolutely true story, of course. <laughs> the last paragraph to the President of the United States, mind you, was, Mr. President, wash your face and put on a clean shirt. This new crowd will be a little bit more classy than the ones to which you, with which you are familiar. <laughs> During the tough days of the campaign, Bob was always eager to say to me, Mr. President, your real problem is public relations. You've never been able to let the American people know about your own great successes, what they know and what they remember are the things that you attempted and didn't quite achieve. No one has ever accused Bob Strauss of having that problem. <laughs> so, so tonight, I want to share part of my problem with my friend Bob Strauss. When we think of Bob, we remember very vividly the wonderful achievements of his public career. We think of the great roles he's played in shaping our nation's present, the nation's future. We think of the man who pulled the Democratic Party back together in a very difficult time in 1972. We think of the man who worked miracles, literally miracles, in putting together the multilateral trade negotiations when everyone had given it up for dead. We think of the man who worked to keep the Camp David process on track. And there was, of course, the other Bob Strauss that wore the hat 
of the main advisor for the president on controlling inflation. But as Bob approaches you for a job, I wish you good luck in finding that particular item on Bob's current resume. <laughs> I'm glad, along with you, that Bob has great achievements, and I'm also glad that the people of our nation have become aware of them. Because as the great Dizzy Dean expressed it, and Bob quotes him quite often, it ain't bragging if you've done it, right, Bob? <laughs> when I think of Bob, two words come to my mind. One is Democrat and the other one is loyalty. Since I see a few unfamiliar faces here tonight who will be more familiar to the American people in the future, I'll skip right over the second, to, to the second one of those. I won't talk about Democrats tonight. Bob Strauss is loyal in the deepest and most durable sense of the word. He's loyal to his beliefs and he's loyal to his friends. And when you are lucky, as I have been, to share both his beliefs and his friendship, then you are a lucky man indeed. Bob has fought many good fights during his life. He's faced some of the most tough, iron-willed, and effective bargainers in the world. Prime Minister Ohira, Japan, during the multilateral trade negotiations. I know how tough a bargainer he is. Our Western allies, with whom, whom Bob had to deal on some very difficult questions of importance to all of you. President Sadat, a noble man of deep convictions, tough, effective bargainer. Prime Minister Begin, a deeply dedicated man, tough and effective bargainer, iron will bureaucrats in the State Department. Tough, iron-willed, as Bob Strauss would well agree. Helen Strauss. Tough, iron-willed, difficult bargainer, but a beautiful and wonderful helpmate who has meant as much to this nation as has her honored husband. Bob has, of course, won some and he's lost some. And through it all, he's shared some great and noble causes over the years. He's fought for his party, and he's fought for his country. And through all those fights, and long afterwards, he's always been a loyalist. Loyalist to his cause and loyal to his friends. Bob Strauss believes in President Lyndon Johnson. And everybody knows it. He never lets anyone forget it because he's proud of that loyalty. Bob Strauss fought for Hubert Humphrey. And he will not let anyone forget that either because he's proud of that loyalty. And he fought for Jimmy Carter. And I personally will never forget it. And I personally will never forget it because I'm proud 
of that loyalty. And so tonight, I join you in returning at least part of the favor, part of the loyalty that Bob Strauss has given to us and to his country. When he served as president, Lyndon Johnson used to say that all the brains in our country did not come from a few prestigious old schools. A lot of people figured when he said that that he had one particular school in mind. And now there's another one to which his name and his influence is dedicated. Lyndon Johnson believed in education, as Fritz Mondale has said. It was his burning commitment throughout his lifetime. He believed that our country was full of talent. He believed that in every region of the country, there were people with a sense of public duty and a talent for politics. He wanted to make sure that young people with a concern for government and public affairs had a chance to nourish that concern, to fulfill their dreams, to understand what our system of government was all about. And he wanted them to know the how of democracy and the why of it also. And that's a founding principle of the Lyndon Johnson School at the University of Texas. I'd like to join in the salutes that have already been given but since I am president, I want to say these words myself. A salute to the person who's been the guiding light to the Lyndon Johnson School and to the LBJ Library and to her husband and to millions of admirers in this country, Lady Bird Johnson. We love you, Lady Bird Johnson. God bless you. I almost agree with everything Lady Bird Johnson says, but it would be difficult, if not impossible, for the Robert S. Strauss Fellowship or the entire LBJ School, for that matter, to produce one more Lyndon Baines Johnson or one more Robert S. Strauss. What he can do, though, is to give many young men and women who have a desire to serve training in the field of service. They will have an opportunity now to let their country be the beneficiaries of the legacy of that great family. And I would like to end my remarks tonight with something that Lyndon Baines Johnson said and might have said about the man we honor tonight if he were here. The American people, he said, are tired of wrecking crews. They want builders. They want people who construct. We are blessed to live in a free country, a country of free expression, a country of free political action. But it takes more than just freedom, as important as it is, to make democracy work. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes tenacity. It takes a knowledge of other people. In other words, it takes politics in the best and the noblest sense of that word. Our political system has a lot of critics. We have commentators of every ideological stripe who cite the inadequacies of our two political parties and how they relate one to another. But both parties 
can be thankful that in this nation of ours, there is one Robert Strauss. So tonight in a time when there are many people who believe so firmly in one particular cause that they've lost sight of how we make decisions in this great pluralistic society through debate, through bargaining, through tolerance, through politics, tonight we honor a builder, a man who knows how to bring people together, who sees what unites people when all that many can see is what divides people. A half century ago, a man who I suspect had a lot in common with Bob Strauss left us these well-known words every Democrat's heard them a thousand times. I belong to no organized political party. I'm a Democrat. But tonight we honor a Democrat who spent a good part of his life knowing in his heart that Will Rogers was right, but trying to convince the rest of us that Will Rogers was wrong, and loving every minute of the effort to convict us and to convince us that democracy and our party and our nation has the inner strength, the foundation of principle and commitment, the acknowledgement of differences among us, and the high ideals that never change to be successful no matter how great the problem, how difficult the adversity, how serious the obstacle in our lives. So tonight, it's my great pleasure to salute and to introduce a great American, a Democrat, a loyal friend, a builder of a better life for us all, my true friend, Robert Strauss. and Republicans, uh, I accept your nomination. <laughs> Before I speak for two or three minutes, let me remind you, Mr. President and Mr. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, Majority Leader Designate, Mr. Vice President Designate, and let me remind those in this room that these fellows have had people working for a week on their material, and I just started thinking of mine in the last two or three minutes. President Carter, as I said to Rosalind, 
when you commented that I had helped you achieve one half of your goal. And uh, I also said to her that you, when I suggested in that note, and it is true, I sent that note, that he wash his face and wear a clean shirt. Uh, he took half of my advice tonight. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and uh, he never took it all. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I must say to you that I think we each have strengths and weaknesses, and one of my strengths has been my ability to recognize my weaknesses. And one of the things, one of the things I've always been able to do is take what I was doing seriously, but not myself too seriously. But tonight, I, om I think I'm beginning to lose that capacity. Uh, I began to get disturbed about myself when just before I came up here, my mind was wandering a bit, and uh, even though the president was speaking, and I leaned over and said to Helen, you know, Helen, I think that what Brezhnev said to Senator Percy that hasn't yet been reported was, be sure and give my regards to Bob Strauss. You know, that's pretty good for just the last two or three minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's getting late, and let me conclude more seriously, if I can, for a moment, by saying uh, to you first, Mrs. Johnson, how proud that Helen and I are and the members of our family are that our names will be associated with the school. I think the former president would be very pleased with that, and we are very proud of that association. Let me also say that, in all seriousness, that I was thinking tonight as I sat there, what, really, what a truly magnificent nation this is. You think of Afghanistan, and you think of Poland, and one can't avoid thinking of the Middle East. And we even think of what happens in a stable society like Great Britain. The government changes with dramatic shifts. And here we are with a change of government, with a transition. And here we are in this room that's truly a montage of America. Corporate leaders. Politicians. young and old, some jaded and some just beginning. But all of us, all of us, absolutely convinced that this process can work. And all of us tonight in this joyous, 
happy, positive room, knowing that we are participating right at the, at the halfway part, halfway point of a change of government, and things go on with stability and with soundness. And my friend Abe Rivikoff just returned a couple of days ago from Europe, and he said, the one thing I thought of as Casey and I flew home, Bob, was all I heard about just before I left this nation was what was wrong with America. But all I heard about in Europe, where they saw us from afar, was how they could become a part of this great nation how they could bring their companies here, how they could bring their families here, how they could bring their security here, all wanting to be a part of this great nation. And so it is tonight that I will conclude by briefly saying to you that this process uh, serves us well. This evening, I think, is a moment of reminder, a pause at midpoint in a transition to say that it works. God bless it and preserve it in each of you. Thank you so much. Gentlemen, that concludes the evening. Right there. Right. Pretty good.